Walter was cool. Walter was tough. Walter was 13 years old. As the only teen on his block, all the other kids that lived on Revenant Falls Lane were in awe of Walter. They were especially ravenous for the kinds of stories he could tell them that his much, much older brother, Curtis, would bring back from his own adventures overseas. This early autumn day in September, Walter just so happened to be fishing with an 11-year-old named Josh down the ravine on Old Mills Creek when he brought up just such a story. You ever see a ghost? Walter tossed that out into the world with the ease of a lazy baseball pitch. A ghost? Nah, I reckon I haven't. Josh tugged equally lazily at his homemade fishing pole and kept his gaze out on the water. He wanted to make sure he looked as cool as possible, not like some little kid. You wanna? Wanna what? See a ghost, stupid? Walter turned to Josh and smiled with his lips sealed tight, but his face looked like it was trying to hold in a handful of angry bees. He barely could contain what he wanted to say next. What do I gotta do? Josh slowly turned towards Walt, thoughts of a pan-fried fish leaving his mind. Walt held a flare for the dramatic. He didn't answer back too quickly. Instead, he let the sound of the creek gurgle in their ears while appreciating the rustling of leaves overhead as the trees rained down their goods in vibrant reds and yellow. When he felt like both of them would burst in anticipation, he went on. Nah, I better not tell you. I really don't think you're old enough. You know, not yet anyway, man. Walter waited for the response he was hoping for out of Josh. Oh, come on. Seeing a ghost? Man, that'd be like, that'd be cool, cool. You know, how, how do you do it? Josh put his pole down beside him in the red plastic bucket that was supposed to be the hearse to his dinner's final resting place. Nah, I'm sorry, bro. I done said too much. You know, Big Kurt, Big Kurt be mad at me, you know, if I told anybody, man. He say it's too terrible, man. You know, it's too horrible. Like, really, really scary, you know. How about walk? Just tell me. I can handle it. I'm not, you know, I ain't scared like um, like uh, CJ now. You know, CJ be crying if he, you know, he ever even thought about seeing a ghost. Now, come on, man. Quit being lame. Josh pushed himself up off the rock he'd been sitting on and his leather shoes dipped into the cold water and turned dark brown. He ain't even care, though. What? I gotta trade you, man. Just... Tell me, man, please. Trade? Walter asked in a real sly tone. Yeah, what you want? Man, I'll give you anything. I'm talking about, you know, anything except for, you know, my favorite baseball cards and all that, you know, my favorite basketball cards and all that. But, um, you know, you um, you can't have this uh, fishing pole because, you know, my daddy made this thing for me. So Walter paused again. Maybe he was considering the kid's offer. Maybe he just, you know, wanted to torment him a little longer. 
So finally, he smiled that big toothy grin and grabbed on the Josh's shoulder. You know what? That's fine. I'll tell you. He pulled Josh closer to him and nearly whispered in his ear. An observer would be hard-pressed to tell if it was for dramatic effect or if he really wanted, you know, not to be heard. But you gotta swear, you won't be telling anybody else, man. I mean, anybody. Especially not Big E. You know, that kid, you know, that boy give me the creeps, man. Always just popping his mouth off, you know, and with the metal canes of his. And, you know, he let Josh go and he gave him some space. Now, you know, agree? Look, for sure. Whatever, I swear, I won't be telling nobody, man. You know, who believe me anyway? You know I'd be lying. <laughs> so Josh realized he was starting to sound like a real naive kid himself, so he straightened up. You know what? I'm not even sure I believe this. I just want to hear how you, you know, supposed to have seen a ghost. <sighs> All right. Let me have your bucket. Walk motion for Josh's empty bucket. What? Trade. You remember you said you'd give me anything, you know, except for your pole and your favorite baseball and basketball stuff, right? So Walter pushed up his thick glasses in a real matter-of-fact motion. Deal. Now, I give you this bucket after you tell me how I can see a ghost. Now, when I can see a ghost, then you get all the buckets you want. All right, now. <laughs> Don't say I ain't warned you, now. The two kids sat back down on their adjacent rocks and Walter shooed a mosquito away. He turned over his shoulder and pointed up the hill at the roofs of the row of red brick houses that paralleled the creek. All you got to do is knock on the right door and try to run away before the owner open up and catch you. What? Josh felt the burn of disappointment. That's just Nikki, man. That's just Nikki nine does. We done played that plenty of times, man. No deal, bro. Give me my bucket, man. I'm keeping my bucket. You always playing all the time. Josh went to go grab his property, and he was younger than Walter, but he wasn't stupid. He knew that he was being hustled. No dummy. Yeah, it's Nikki, you know, Nikki nine, nine does. But you gotta do it the right way, though. You just can't do it any old kind of way. Josh was still primed for seeing a ghost, so he stretched his suspension of disbelief to his limit. Okay, how do you play it? Right, go ahead and tell me. His hand relaxed, and instead of snatching his bucket, he picked up a sparkly rock from the mud and began turning it over in his hand, watching the sun glitter off of it. First of all, haven't you ever wondered who Nikki was? And, you know, why do we call out her name before we run? You got to think, have you ever thought about that? Why you running your mouth? Uh, nah, I just thought it was a thing you said. Nah, 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 my friend. Nikki is the ghost. Walt looks like he's laid down a row of aces at a card game with the amount of satisfaction just spilling from his face. She's the one you call out. You know, you call her out of hell itself for a visit. What are you talking about? 
jaw stops. Stop turning over the stone and instead grip it real hard in his hand. Walt just theatrically clears his throat and then in a sing-song voice speaks out an eerie nursery rhyme. Nikki was so naughty and always misbehaved. One day her misadventures had led her to the grave. And Nikki was a bother always at your door until Nikki chose the wrong one and Nikki was no more. So pray you don't need Nikki. Wait, hold on. How I go? How I go? So pray you don't meet Nikki or you truly cry. Because if she comes a knocking, you will surely die. Walt paused and looked at his friend as though he just explained the secrets of the Bible itself. And Josh, on the other hand, couldn't have looked more confused. His eyes just narrowed in contemplation. What does that mean? It's the story of Nikki, man. My brother told me about her. You know, she was some girl that got killed a long time ago in some town. I ain't never heard of her. Of course not. It happened in, like... You know, England or something, somewhere. England, Australia, you know, one of them funny-talking countries. Curtis told me about it, you know, back um, when he come back from his training. Oh, all right, I see. How she die? It was tragic, big fella. I'm talking about, uh, man, it was, it was real bad. Walt grinned and slapped his knee like he just, you know, told the punchline to a funny joke. For real, man. Tell me how she died. I want details. All right, all right. You know, um, Walt take a deep breath. And so according to my uh, big bro, you know, Nikki lived a long time ago, like 20 years or something, man. She was, you know, bored on one September day. And, uh, you know, she thought she had some fun. So she left her house and no one ever saw her alive again, man. So she went missing? Josh leaned in. Yeah, but they found her, you know, after she went missing. Neighbors told the police that one day, you know, they got a knock up on their door. And uh, some of them opened their doors and just looked out the window. You know, some just looked out the window, I mean. But all of them said they saw Nikki running and laughing down, you know, the, the sidewalk and things and just ran away. So she was playing Nikki, Nikki Nine Doors. Josh um, came out, you know, suddenly getting the connection. No, man. She invented the game, man. We new to the game. She true to the game. She was the first to play. Oh, snap. That's cool, man. From somewhere out in the creek, a fish splashed and broke the boy's attention. They both turned to look for the source of the distraction. Eventually, they gave up and Walt continued his story. Now, nine afters after she went missing, they found her. She was in some neighbor's basement, and they said she'd been, you know, hanging by her neck all day with her hands and mouth tied up. Dang, boy, that's horrible. Some guy killed her for knocking on his door? My brother said that the guy was a monster, man. And someone say the police already, you know, knew about the guy, man. You know, he was one of them sexual predator folk they be talking about. What's that? Josh knew the word sex, but he never heard, you know, it used this way before. I think your, I think your daddy won. Just ask him. Walt don't get to finish his sentence because Josh interrupted him with a crack across the face. It was, you know, a real nice little punch because his fist, you know, didn't close. 
but it wasn't a slap either. It's like one of them wrestling punches. So Josh and Walter both froze for a long time and stretched out for a moment. This 11-year-old boy had just done something just completely unheard of. He hit the coolest kid on the block. Not just any kid, a teenager. You don't say nothing about my daddy, boy, Josh hissed. Everybody know my daddy a hero. Walter Moore's over smacking Josh back for a second, but it didn't really hurt, and he reckoned he was being disrespectful. Fine, man. I won't talk about your old bald head snaggletooth daddy no more. He straightened out his glasses instead of retaliating against the younger friend. That's right. My daddy a hero. Everybody know it. Josh said again. Now tell me how to see the ghost of Nicky. Josh tosses the stone he'd been playing with into the water and they make a loud plunking noise and disappears into a watery grave. Look, sorry, I'm sorry, Josh. Um, I was just being a jerk. Walt nods at Josh in a are we good kind of gesture to which Josh knocks back. All right. Now, Kurt say if you uh, wanted to meet Nikki, there's a very specific spell you got to uh, perform. You know, she died on September 9th. And she was found in the ninth house from her home. And it took them nine hours to find her dead body. So if you want to see her, you got to wait till September 9th. That's the day. Yep. So you got to go home. Then you got to walk to the ninth house from yours and knock on the door. And I mean, like, really, really knock. Like, bang on it if you got to. Then shout, Nikki, Nikki, nine doors. And then... And then you run away, dummy. Walt claps his hands together and lean in towards Josh. But here's the important part. My brother said that you have to do your best to run to the end of the path of the house. Now, if the owner open the door before you off their property, Nikki will come visit you the next time you are home. Now, if you make it off the property without being caught, you know, I guess she won't come and, you know, you'll be safe. Safe, Josh said. Yeah, safe as in she don't come and, and kill you and drag you back to hell with her. Oh, jeez. Josh sits back. He swallows and then runs his head through his bushy brown hair. It's just a story though, right? Like, it's not real, is it? I don't know, man. I ain't never tried it. But like I said, you know, you want to do it? You want to see a ghost, old Joshy boy, huh? With that, Walt stands up and brushes off the seat of his shorts. He rubs his cheek where it had turned to bright red and walks around Josh so he could pick up the bucket. Look, man, I'm bored. I'm going to fill this up with stones and head over to the overpass and drop them on the passing trains. You want to come with me? He started picking up the stones and dropping them in the bucket one by one. Now I promised my mama I'm going to eat um, you know, lunch at the crib and clean up before she get back to dinner, you know. So, uh, no point with this, and he pointed to the fishing rod. And fish, uh, you know, they seem to be bored with Fiamma's fishing. Walt nods and lift up the heavy bucket. Too bad, man, I was going to let you carry this thing for me. 
He turns from Josh and starts making his way along the creek. See you tomorrow, bro. Josh calls out to him. Walter turns back to Josh. The heavy bucket swings out from his body, smacking into his thighs. Maybe I will, and maybe I won't. Depends on if you're a boy. He points at Josh, or a man. He points at himself. He fakes a manic cackle <laughs> and turns again and walks away until he disappears around a bend in the creek and is swallowed up from sight by the red and yellow soaked trees of the ravine. On another day, Josh would have thought that the old house on Revenant Falls Lane, nine doors from his own, would look like any other. Red bricks, dusty with age, big front windows, and soaked all up in the morning sunlight. Two floors and likely a basement. The white wooden patio that always seemed to have the same outdoor sofa swing set that these decks somehow attracted. And two chrome bowls, one with uh, water and the other one with dried dog food. There were three steps that led up to the patio and maybe four more to cross it to the door. Today, though, was not like any other day. Today was, you know, the house was foreboding, you know, feeling as if it were, you know, if it just knew Josh was up to no good. The patio seemed extra wide, the windows extra big, and the walkway from the sidewalk to the three steps, you know, just extra, extra long. Now, Josh knew that if he knocked on the door or someone was home, he was for sure going to be caught. And if he was caught, you know, caught according to walk, he summoned a demonic ghost that would drag him down the hill. And here he was, standing in front of the house, actually contemplating doing just that. Josh wanted to call the whole thing off and walk away. He wanted to go home, drop off his fishing pole, you know, have a little chat with his dad while eating lunch, and then wait for his mama to get home. In front of the fireplace, you know, so he can get him some din some um, din-din, as they called it. Josh didn't want to be thought of as just some little boy by Walt, though. And he wasn't going to lie and say he did a thing if he ain't actually do it. You know, his mama always told him she hated storyteller. Allow me to take a quick break for the sponsors. Then we're going to get right back to it. The story wasn't that scary, you know. It had to be a fool's tale. And the day was sunny and bright, you know, barely noon hour as it was. Now, exactly a scary time, you know, this ain't the scary time. Ghosts don't usually come out at noon, middle of the day. You know, ghosts come out and do all they hunt at night. So why was he still standing on the sidewalk? He wasn't a little boy and he for sure wasn't scared. Josh tried moving one foot onto the walkway leading up to the house, and his foot had somehow become just, you know, just tacked down to the ground. It wouldn't move, and nearly caused him to lose his balance and fall onto the other points to the house white picket fence. Slowly, he pried his foot up off the ground, and his million-pound weight came down on the first stone of the walkway up to the door just inside the fence's perimeter. Of course, this triggered a long, cold chill down his spine, and it was accompanied by a long, cold wind that rustled the uncapped grass of the yard. The grass brushed against Josh's wet shoe, and it seemed, you know, just as if it was just, 
you know, grabbing it. You know, maybe just begging him, don't take another step. Or maybe it was just stuck to the wet leather on his shoe. Josh lifted his foot and brought it down onto the sidewalk stone. My red bucket. If the door opened before I get to it, I just asked whoever there if they seen my bucket. Duh. <laughs> That's a good plan, thought Josh. He let his leg swing forward and brought his foot down onto the next stone. Immediately, the wind and the grass stopped rustling. You know, he'd been warned that he had trespassed anyway. The property was not silent. And crazy enough, outside the fence, the branches of the trees just continued, you know, swaying in the breeze and the leaves kept falling. But here inside, nothing. Just a very noisy, dreadful quiet that had overtaken the property. Josh leaned his fishing pole up against the fence and slowly made his way up the stone walk. When he got to the three steps, he paused and stood as quiet as he could. His only hope now is that nobody was home. And if there weren't nobody home, there'd be no one to catch him. And if there were no such thing as ghosts, he had not invoked the spirit. Just so as long as nobody was at the crib. Now, Josh brought his foot down on the first wooden step. The step screamed in pain, you know, as the woods rubbed tightly against an old rusty nail. Josh nearly let out his own scream but managed to hold himself together and practically hopped over the next two steps and onto the deck. Maybe the owner of the house, you know, might open the door before he knocked. Did that count? He couldn't call out Nicky Nicky Nine Doors if the owner had already talked to him, right? He looked back at the sidewalk, less than four meters away, but somehow it felt like a lifetime of distance had passed since he was led standing out in his safety. His chest hurt. It would be, you know, cliche to say his heart was pounding, but boy, that thing was beating. He could feel every thump against his rib cage. And with each beat, his heart seemed to push another bit of air from his lungs until he could barely breathe. Nearly stumbling from a loss of balance brought on by tunnel vision, Josh made his way to the door. He paused and held out his hand and leaned against the cool brick of the wall. He wished he was home eating his macaroni salad and talking with his daddy right now. And he wished he was still down the creek fishing with Walt. Heck, he even wished he was back in class studying his math. Anywhere but here. Just knock, you big baby, he thought. Just knock, run, and let's get it done so we can go home and eat. Tripping, man. Josh raised his shaking hand and made a fist. Weakly, he brought it down on the door three times. Boom, boom, boom. With even less strength, Josh managed to dryly squeak out a meek little Nicky. Nicky, nine doors. The moment Josh finished the word doors, the heavy oak portal swung open, revealing his very own history teacher, Miss Harbinger, with her fine self, standing there with a glass of water. Ha, <laughs> I didn't think you would do it, she grinned and handed him the glass of water. I've been standing by the window for nearly five minutes waiting to see if you'd knock. Nicky Nicky Nine Doors, huh? <laughs> Ooh, that takes me back. And Josh was taken aback too. 
So real sheepishly, he accepted the water and brought it to his parched lips. His lips was dry as a desert, crackling and white and everything. He needed to put some dang lotion on his lips. And that cool water slid down his constricted throat and helped it relax and open up. Moments later, he was able to breathe almost normally again. Uh, Bucket, he stuttered out. But Miss Harbinger didn't pay him any heed. Don't you worry, Joshy, baby. I won't tell your mama that you out playing these little stupid little games. I even remember catching her and her friend Big Patty playing these dumb little games back when, you know, they were just about your age. Now, of course, back then, you know, I was much, much younger. Now, Miss Harbin just sighs and lets her gaze just get wistful. She snaps back and smiles a friendly smile down at the recovering boy. Maybe that's why you got me teaching history these days. Mm, I've seen so much of it. Miss Harbin just stopped talking and looks him over. The smile replaced with the start of a concerned look. You all right, Josh? Just looking like you seen a ghost. <laughs> Not yet. Josh replied to herself. What was that? Miss Harbinger asked. Josh hand back the glass to his teacher and backs away across the patio and down the three steps. Oh, that's the one. That nail, I tell you, it is loud. It'll wake the dead. That's how I knew somebody was on my deck. The mailman, the milkman, the newspaper. You know, I always know when I got a delivery thanks to that nail. It's like my own personal little doorbell. Uh, okay, now, have a good day, Miss Harbinger. With your fine self. Hey, baby, be a dear and um, say hello to your mama for me. Josh turns away from the house and allows himself to be carried away from his patio on his legs, and his legs seem to almost move just by themselves without his own, you know, doing. His head is spinning, and he feels like he just, you know, really just wanted to lay down in that cool, unkempt grass. But his legs just keep walking down the stone walkway towards the white picket fence and towards the gate. Beyond the um, border of the house, he literally just takes his fishing pole and passes beyond the border of the house. It's over. There's nothing left to do but go home, eat his macaroni salad, talk with his daddy, clean up, you know, wait for his mom, or maybe just get a visit from a ghost girl. Josh's home was a similar design to his teacher's, but instead of entering from the front like he liked to take the alley, around the back and entered through the kitchen. This allowed for two things. It gave Josh the opportunity to pet his neighbor dog, Big Ralph, who was always happy to see company coming, and Josh secretly hoped that um, that little Lily was sitting out on her back deck, sunning herself, or maybe even turning cartwheels in the yard. If she was there, Josh would make his way over to the fence and come up with some excuse to try to strike up a conversation with uh, who he was certain had to be the prettiest girl up on the block. No such luck today, though. Lily Yard was empty, no Lily, no Cartwheels, no Ralphie, and his tail fiercely, you know, beating the air excitedly as the dog ran up to lick his hand, none of that. 
just an empty quiet yard. Now Josh unlocked the gate and pushed open um, the back door. A unique thing is it was no more than a wood frame and a large picture window that allowed his mom to keep an eye on their kids and he wandered into his kitchen. There on the table was a note left by his mama. He read it quickly after he snatched a cookie from the plate she left on the countertop next to the electric toaster. These notes were real common. Now tonight Josh's mama would be working a little late and wouldn't be home for dinner. But the note continued there was fried chicken in the fridge with all the fixings to it. Josh was to eat, do some reading, and then make his way up to bed. Josh crumpled up the note and tossed it in the waste bin, and he started to relax and forgot all about his little adventure he had early. He scooped himself a plate full of macaroni salad and wandered his way into his comfy living room. His daddy was right there, and Josh uh, had left him this morning in his favorite spot. Hey, pop. Quiet. Daddy ain't said nothing. I was fishing with um Walt this morning, and... You know, we didn't catch anything, but boy, did Walt ever tell me a crazy story. Most times. Today I'm going to see a ghost. And maybe even, you know, be taken away by her. But I think it's all just a bunch of junk, man. Just a bunch of, you know, just a bunch of crazy trash, crap, junk that Walt like to tell us kids, man. I ain't scared, though, you know, I ain't worried about that. Even most signs. Anyway, I'm going to just go ahead and read, the, um, you know, read my little book and stuff. So Josh walked up to the case on the table and held a, held a folding American flag on a uh, brass plate and it read, Non Sibi said Patria. He gently caressed the glass and then smiled at the picture of his father in his military uniform hanging on the wall. I love you, Dad, and I missed you. John snapped to attention then gave his father a long salute, after which he turned and made his way over to the sofa where his lunch was waiting and snuggled into the fabric of a blanket to read the paper, and he was caught off guard when he heard a knock, knock, knock. So Josh just, you know, kind of tiredly opened up his eyes and he wasn't sure if he heard, you know, something for real or he just imagined it. Then he heard it again, knock, knock, knock. Yeah, he heard it that time. Someone was at his kitchen door. He must have fell asleep and, you know, been asleep for a little while because it was dark now. And a newspaper was sprawled out across the floor in front of him. Then he heard, doom, doom, doom. Now, Josh wasn't even supposed to go for the door, you know, for anybody after dark. And he hoped that, you know, if he just kept quiet, whoever it was would just give up. Then he heard boom, boom, boom. Like they banging on the door now. Whoever it was wasn't leaving. Now, Josh managed to pull himself off the sofa and pick up his teacup. You know, he needed some milk anyway. So he thought he just might as well wander into the kitchen to see who was making, you know, such a noise. Oh my goodness. It's a word. Josh had heard somebody scream, you know, back out on the porch. So Josh fall backwards onto the hall of Norian floor, shattering the cup and bruising his booty bone. Standing in a large window frame of the door is a girl. A dead girl. 
a dead bloated girl with her hands bound behind her back and her mouth gagged with some kind of wrapper, some kind of tape or something, and eyes, eyes that bulged over like ripe plums in their sockets. Even from this distance in a low light, Josh could see the spider web like red blood vessel that stained those milky dead eyes. Worse though was her feet. Her bare feet dangled just inches off the ground and waved in such a way to suggest they were desperately trying to find, you know, purchase on something to support her weight. She was hanging suspended in the air, bound, filthy, dead, and right at his door. The girl fixed her wild eyes on Josh and then brought her head down hard against the glass of the door again and again. Crack, crack. The glass of the door started to crack but did not give. Now something deep, deep in the prehistorical part of Josh's brain got his body moving again. It was just a crude scamper backwards on his feet and on his hands, but it was in the opposite direction. That boy was scared. He was scared, scared. So he headed away from the door into that ancient part of his brain that was good enough. He didn't even notice the trail of blood that he was leaving behind after a piece of the teacup had slashed his foot open. He didn't even notice the pain of his bleeding foot. His body just kept scampering backwards on his own while Josh was too busy trying to gurgle out a horrified scream at what he saw. When suddenly, smash! The glass of the kitchen door finally gave way under the repeated onslaught and spilled across the floor. Josh had back crawled out of the kitchen, you know, proper into the walk of the pantry. The moment he was inside the pantry, the dead girl's body slowly floated through the kitchen door and over the glass. When her feet passed over Josh's spilled blood and blood turned black and strangely boiled away, evaporating into the air as though it, as if it was just like never there. But this wasn't some Josh had, you know, the facilities to notice. All he saw was this choking, riding body of a girl about his age in a dark stained summer dress floating towards him while she threw the gag in her, in her mouth made just this deep, awful sound as, as she was trying to scream. She was almost at the pantry now, and her legs seemed to kick and spasm with glee or malice the closer she got. Josh finally woke from this terrified trance and managed to get to the door of the pantry closed just as the corpse reached his refuge. In a dark pantry, Josh was sitting on the floor in a mess of dried onion skins, spilled rice, and a couple of rotten potatoes that had fallen from their bin, and most certainly some mouse droppings or two. He didn't think about that. Instead, he watched the streak of light under the door of the pantry, the door being the only barrier between him and the apparently dead spirit of a girl named Nikki. And then, The banging had taken on a sickly, wet sound, as though slamming her head against the hard wood was cracking her skull and rattling around whatever might be inside. Josh pressed himself against the back wall of the pantry as far as he could get from the light of the door. Shelves of soup cans pressed against the meat and spine of his mid-back indicating that he could run no further. He was trapped. Help me! Josh's plea was answered with another whoop. 
Somebody, please help me, please, please help me. Somebody, please. There was no one that could come to Josh's aid. He started to cry. Hot tears streamed down his face. The smell of blood from his foot wafted into his nose, and the scent of onions burned at his throat. He was tired, trying to whimper out one more plea. He cried out, Please, Daddy, please help me, Daddy, please. Silence. Only the soft, pathetic sounds of Josh's sobbing could be heard. The banging at the door had stopped instantly. It then returned. Josh waited, crouched in the dark with his hand clasped over his head and his face between his knees. He sobbed and waited there in the dark for what he felt like was ages. There was the sound of footsteps crunching through the broken glass and then a voice. My God, Josh, Josh! It was his mama. She got home from work and there was panic in her voice. Joshua Taylor Nakana. You answer your mama, you hear me, boy? The panic was now mixed with the pleading sound of his mother concerned with the safety of her child. Josh gripped the shelves of the pantry, stood up, and pushed open the door. His mama was standing there in the center of the kitchen holding a broom like a baseball bat. When she turned to him and dropped the makeshift weapon and dropped to her knees, Oh God, oh God, thank you, Father. I thought something happened to you, baby. Josh's mama opened her arms to her son, beckoning him to come to her. But Josh couldn't move. His face fell slack, and the hope he felt only moments ago bled out. Floating behind his mother silently was the bound corpse of a dead girl. Her foot kicked out at Josh's mind from behind, and the moment it made contact with her body, both of them disappeared in a strange way that Josh's blood had boiled away earlier. His mama turned into a black goo, spilled out over the floor and boiled and evaporated along with the ghost into nothingness. Josh was left alone in his house, in his kitchen in the dark, but not in silence. All that was left of Josh was the screams, the screams that would drive anybody who heard them crazier than a mug, boy. <laughs>